This is Flipping Tables Podcast, episode 21. Yeah. It is 21. It we can bro- drink legally. <laughs> it can. And we broke the, the two tens barrier, mm-hmm. which, you know, because everybody measures things in tens, right? <laughs> yep. So I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I'm Michael Edwards. And I think we have... I, I'm I'm not totally surprised, but people came out in force for games they thought held up, right? <laughs> um, Yoshi's Island, which actually, I feel like Yoshi's Island's kind of unsung a little bit. Yeah, it was late in the Super Nintendo era after plenty of... Mario had already gotten plenty of attention. Yes. and But I feel like it's, it is an honest-to-God successor to Super Mario World. It's the same kind of platforming. It's the same kind of, like... You know, grid layout where you move from level to level. But it's got a twist. <laughs> it does have a twist, and it has the, the one drawback is it does have the god awful crying. <laughs> so it's very effective at making you want to keep Mario on your back. Oh yeah, and when the little shy guys swoop in and get him, like you, it, it absolutely creates that sensation <laughs> of like my baby. <laughs> it's like it's very uh like diehard kind of like I have to rescue my family. I think also by going for its, like, crayon effect for the graphics kind of holds up graphically better over yes. time. Yeah, the, uh, I don't know, I'm sure there's a name for that art style, the, like, juvenile, it looks yeah. like a five-year-old did this, <laughs> and yet somehow it's, like, pixel perfect. Like, definitely holds up better than Super Mario World's graphics, which aren't bad, and, you know, pixel art yeah. in general holds up pretty well, but when I think of, like, the boss and... Yoshi's Island that like stretches out in yeah. like crazy size like that's a much better looking effect than any of the scaling that happens in Super Mario World. That's true. Well, because they had what mode seven by then. Yeah, I feel you know well, what, that was right off the bat. They had mode seven. There, what came later was it the FX chip? Yeah, or something. Yeah, that. But I feel like there's. It may be because we got this big resurgence in. Like mobile games that have pixel art and and crayon art and that kind of thing, but you're right; those graphics totally hold up. You look at it, and you're like, "Oh, that's awesome! That looks like a PS2 game." Oh, it's Super Nintendo. Yeah. Um, somebody also mentioned Chrysalis, which I don't. No, no one listening except me and the person who said that <laughs> Chrysalis pro- probably yeah. played. Did you play Chrysalis? Oh yeah. Okay, so good. I don't feel as alone. So for those who are googling it right now, <laughs> Chrysalis was a Zelda style hack and slash action adventure game. Yes, but it had Fantasy Star One graphics. Yeah, it had like some tall, very, very light RPG elements. You would go up levels if you yeah. grinded enough, killing these standing tigers in the field. <laughs> yeah, I haven't replayed that since i was a teenager so i don't i don't know if i can give my thumbs up on this one like may, maybe it holds <laughs> well, the, up the most satisfying draw in my head about the game is that leveling up stuff but also as you progress through the game you you get these different sword crystals that are that go up in levels so you start out with like the wind sword oh yep, yep. and then you can it had like the mega buster mechanic where you would hold down and charge up your attack which i feel like that's any action game that control scheme plays pretty well because it's like you know press A to kill, hold A to kill really hard. <laughs> you know, it's like and of it, course you can't move as fast, sort of Zelda style when yep. you hold down. Yeah, so. well that was Maybe actually you can actually that was one thing about the Mega Buster that it's like I can jump really well with the middle joint of my <laughs> yeah. thumb from because you learn to like do this weird flex and push. <laughs> Like so I found with Nintendo's portables, their buttons keep getting smaller. I don't think it's just because I'm older <laughs> and bigger. I think like the 3DS A and B buttons are tiny. Yeah, they do seem pretty, which is weird. So like you know, it's, it's usually, not like they eat up too much space. It's not a big problem, but in a game like Mario Kart Seven, where you know in Mario Kart A is held down. Yeah. 100% of the time. Yeah. No, no one ever asks what button the brake is in Mario Kart. Yeah. And so it's just like after every race, I have a nice circle in my thumb. Yep. Lack of circulation. Does the, uh, the was it the XL, the bigger 3DS? I think the buttons are the same, same size. size. <laughs> so everything is bigger, but the buttons are still tiny. Yeah. Hmm. I can understand the distance between them being crucial, because you don't want to accidentally push multiple buttons at the same time, 
but it seems weird to make them tiny little Tic Tacs. <laughs> yeah. We need chiclets, not Tic Tacs. <laughs> what was wrong with the Game Boy's button size? It's not too big. <laughs> uh, apparently something. Maybe You know what? The the... 18th of a cent they save on that molded <laughs> plastic. That's what's keeping Nintendo in the black. It is. Uh, someone else, I think this was a, a friend of yours, <laughs> said, uh, introduced me to the phrase dad gaming. Yeah. Which is um, the way he makes time, I guess, to uh, to game is extended bathroom trips and, and his mobile phone. Yeah, so that was my, my grade school friend, Christoph. Yeah, I like the name dad gaming because just like restroom is the more like conversation friendly way of saying toilet dad gaming is like i don't actually have massive diarrhea but i'm gonna be in there for like 90 minutes because i'm really close to the end of this game until i have no circulation in my legs anymore yeah pretty much yeah you get the the elbows pinching off the the nerves in your thighs and we, this show has now gone totally blue. Yeah. This is like very high class. No one wants right. to hear about this, but everyone knows what we're talking about. Yeah. The, I feel like this is also one of the, whenever someone used to say, like, you know, oh, you read a book while you're in the bathroom? Yeah, everyone does. Yeah. The, the, I think only people who are truly germaphobes don't, like, read a paper or a book or take out their smartphone. Like, it's just. Even though your kitchen is worse than your bathroom as far as germs go. Yeah, in variety. <laughs> I would say there's probably a few more serious germs in the bathroom. I hope. Or at least don't cook me anything in your kitchen if you're <laughs> unsure about this. But uh, so the other um, thing that you mentioned about classic gaming still being, you know, like not just nostalgia goggles is emulators. Mm-hmm. So, I I realized because I so I don't know if this was true on the Wii, but at least on the Wii U, the emulators have save states mm-hmm. and one save state. <laughs> sa- yeah, save state singular. <laughs> but I mean, so you said yourself, like that kind of makes some older games playable. Yeah, right. Like you don't well, have you, the time to sit there and grind even, through battle. Even toads. very good games, yeah. <laughs> battle toads, cheap. <laughs> Or Double Dragon 2, where the jumping mechanic is so janky yeah. that you need a save state before every jump, because <laughs> it's such crap when you've, you you just do the whole... Like in Mario, there's the like, no, I press jump, but really you're an idiot. Yeah, you, and, you know you didn't jump. <laughs> deep down. Double Dragon, you probably did, and it's still <laughs> just middle finger to you and said, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely, I think, required for... Even for great old games, it's just modern convenience to be like yeah i could prove my worth and like beat this game in one sitting without any flaws or i could just enjoy myself right before a tough section make a save state yeah so i feel like we went through that transition right where like i remember sitting down to play super mario world and being like okay it's 9 a.m and I have to be somewhere at 2 p.m. So if I don't eat breakfast or lunch, I could beat this without stopping before I have to leave the house. Yeah. But now I would just be like, like, that would never occur to me. Like, yeah. even I, I replayed uh, Super Metroid not that long ago, and you even get, like, this stupid little extra ending if you do it in under three hours. And I was like, I'm not going to beat this in under three hours because I want to enjoy it. Yeah. And I know there are people who enjoy speedruns, but I'm just not part of that group. Yeah, yeah. every time I start Super Metroid, which is at least once a year, they have that moment of, like, am I going for the three-hour? <laughs> and it's honestly not hard to do. No. But it's like, no, let's just, let's just move slow and get every energy take. Yeah, I just want to, you know, I just want to stroll down the halls. I don't want to speed run down every hall. I want to take in my creepy solo surroundings. So do you think... In five or ten years, we're going to have this same feeling toward, uh, like, GameCube, PS1, PS2, Xbox, like, that generation of games? You mean, like, when it gets to the point where the storing the RAM of the entire instance of the game is trivial? Yeah, I mean, we're already not that far off. I mean, you can buy, for a reasonable amount of money, 8 or 16 gigs of RAM. Yeah. So storing an entire PS1 game in memory would be like, eh. 
I mean, it's not efficient, <laughs> yeah. but I think you could do it. Well, well I mean, who's going to like say no to it? I hope they bring that to emulators. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think there will be a demand for it? Like, is anyone ever going to be nostalgic for that generation where it's like, well, no, I want every PS1 game in my pocket with me all the time, just in case, the way we are with like Super Nintendo. We're just going to have to stream the games. But yeah, yeah I, <laughs> that's like the one of the annoying huh. parallel things is storage gets cheaper, but no manufacturer has any incentive to like phones have been 16 gig standard for like six years. Yep. Yeah. And it's well, I guess the there were eight for a while, and then yeah. when it switched to 16, they were like, yeah, yeah there we're was just an initial ride run of like train. four, eight, and then it just got locked in at 16. Yeah. Well, and. <sighs> I feel like the companies are probably if you if you could get them to speak candidly off the record, I think like Sony, Microsoft, all the big music companies, Netflix, all those companies well, Netflix has been very candid. But I think all those companies would say, like, we wanna stream you whatever the hell you want. We have a whole library of crap that you're willing to give us money for and we we already own it. It's already made. Yeah. So if you're willing to pay us $10 a month to stream Final Fantasy 7 even though you have the disc sitting 5 feet away from you, we will take your $10. Yeah. But they know that the American networking infrastructure and the like the 4G network, you know, wireless infrastructure is just not there. Yeah. Like in in if Korea had the population density that America does, they would probably be just killing it in Korea and Japan because their network, I mean, it, it yeah. makes ours look like the 60s DARPA net. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so are we going to get screwed out of emulation of that generation because they're pushing for the streaming network side, but that side also sucks? I don't know. I just yeah, they just have no incentive to bump up local storage. Yeah, when everything's in the cloud, which I get for most things, but there are situations where you're like, I would like to just have this so that on a desert island I can play anything, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> well, so you can't do save states, I guess, with that generation, but uh, like on the Vita, you have your standby mode. Yeah, not the same. No, but I would say those features work really well in tandem because I don't necessarily want to save what I'm doing. I just want to be able to put the system down for 90 Turn seconds. Turn the screen off. <laughs> yeah, I just, I need to go over here and do something. But then when I come back, I don't want to have to like yeah. have, you know, Turn reload the from on. a save spot. <laughs> Not just the time that's wasted booting it up, but like in Final Fantasy, for example, it's like, well, I have to find a save spot and save. And if I'm not near one, then do I just, like, leave it sitting there running? Yeah. I, I remember doing that as a kid. Like, Super Nintendo on for nine hours at night while I slept so I could get back up. To their credit, the portable Final Fantasies starting, well, maybe not the Game Boy ones, but they, they have a save you can do anywhere that disappears the second you restart your game. Really? Yeah. Huh. Almost all of them. It, it's like a special kind of save that... Like, isn't, isn't something you can ever return to if you die later. It's just uh, like, I'm going to stop playing and turn the system off for a while. Right. And bring me back to where I am. And I've been grinding for three hours, so please don't make me lose all my progress. Yeah. Is it like quick save? Yeah. Okay, because I know in uh, the the Super Nintendo re-releases, they got quick save, which I never used because it's never clearly indicated inside the game what that does. Yeah. So I was always like, ah, you know what, I'll just I walk outside. I think if you use it, they put up warning messages. like when Or like when you open a quick save, it's like, this is no longer going to be a save. <laughs> just so you know. We're going to dump you in the game and then forget. And then it's everything. as if you were still playing. Yeah. So then you have to save again. Yeah. Weird. Uh, but good for mobile devices. Yeah. Have you played any of the Final Fantasies on, like, an Android or an iOS device? Yeah. They have the weirdest font. Yeah. Well, What's they, up they with just, that? Because like, it's, like, super smooth. It's super, like, <laughs> smooth, like, Helvetica. And it just seems so wrong. I, I want, like, a, a video game font, not Well, especially not from that generation. <laughs> it just it feels out of place. Like, it might as well be... Uh, 
Oh, uh, what was the the Avatar font that everyone hated? Papyrus. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. The so, every ethnic restaurant of any kind from any nationality font. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That one. And it's always that kind of like faded yellowy color. <laughs> Like the paper is, even though you can see that it's just—it's not the the paper is even that color. Yeah, like it's printed, printed on, yeah. on the corners. Ugh. Indiana Jones used it to <laughs> find some. So, I wanted to talk about a couple like weird interweb things that have happened recently. Have, I'm sure you heard about the right to be forgotten, right? Yeah. Okay, so you haven't forgotten about your right to be forgotten. No. Okay, so in. Just a quick summary for anybody who hasn't heard. In the the European Union, their Supreme Court... I'm sorry, I don't know what it's called. But their their high court said, Google and also Bing and Yahoo. Everybody only attributes (laughs) this to Google, but it's actually for search engines. But search engines have to take down links to content if someone says... I want you to take down this link to this content because it's bad. If it's inaccurate or... Yeah, defamatory, slander, that that kind of thing. I guess libel because it's in writing. Um, But here's the thing. First off, this all started with one moron who, if you Googled his name, you know, John Smith, then it came up with debts that he owed from like the 90s like he missed like a mortgage payment or something so wasn't there an update to that story that it was actually a commenter on that article it wasn't that guy himself Ooh, that i don't know yeah it was someone who had commented on that page on that article that made the request so that's even worse (laughs) yeah so okay so the and that different search terms would still bring the article up it was just if you searched yes certain dude's name yes so (laughs) hold on to that thought so the first thing that is terrible about this is no one knew this person is not famous like this was just some some guy and i'm sure he had a perfectly legitimate reason for missing this payment and he got the debt settled and he went back about his some guy life like yeah this is a perfectly normal thing that could happen to anyone and it is not that big of a deal but because he made a huge deal out of it now everyone knows (laughs) That this happened to him. <laughs> yeah. So th- they call that the Barbara Streisand effect because she had she tried to get want her... people to know where her house was. Exactly. She wanted it to be blanked out. And on, so she drew on tons of attention to where her house was. Yeah. So I don't know much about Barbara Streisand, but I know that her house is on Google Maps. <laughs> so so um, he won this this court ruling, or his side won, I guess. And now, in in the EU, you can petition Google to take down a link to pretty damn near anything. But, as you said, it's based on certain terms. So, if I write an article in the EU about how I'm the best person ever and Mike is a total asshat, and Mike petitions to have that link taken down, it's only for his name. Yeah. So... Right? So only your name would, would be taken away. But if people searched for me, they would still find that article. Yeah. So there's already this, like, gaping loophole. The other just uh, obnoxious thing is they aren't making... If, like, assume it's in, like, the best use of this you can imagine. Like, there's actually false information in a legit article, like it's New York right. Times, they posted false information. They won't retract it. Right. Like it seems like this ruling is designed to be like remove that. But instead, they go to Google and say remove the link instead of New York Times. Yeah. Fix or pull your article. Right. Which is already like a big government intrusion on journalism. Which is probably why they don't try to go that way. Yeah. But well, and but to me, this is very weird because they're saying, well, you know. David has the right to free speech, but Google doesn't have the right to report on someone else's free speech. And I don't even mean report in like a journalistic way. I mean just literally be like, hey, that guy over there is exercising free speech. Because that's really all Google does. This guy said that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This guy said that. Here's where he said it. That's all they do. I mean, that's in, – in a sense – 
search engine is as close to reporting pure fact as possible because all they're reporting is this thing exists. Here it is. Yeah. That's you can't get a lot more objective than that. I mean, yeah, there's the ranking and the order of search results, but at the heart of it, they're saying that a thing is a thing and no other thing about that thing. For some reason, it's reminding me of these weird legal loopholes when people try to do things like this, because instead of removing the article, they remove the link. Like, um, Hollywood like knows that they can't get rid of fair use, so if educators <laughs> want to use a clip from a movie for an educational purpose, they can't legally prevent them. Right. Yeah. But you can't use an 89 minute can clip put of a 90 DRM movie. on a DVD and work the legislature to make sure it's illegal to break DRM. Yes. And so it's like, yeah, you're allowed to use that clip, but you have no legal way to get the clip. Right. And it's just like, ah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, no, you can use it. It's in this locked box. There are no keys to the box. But it's in there, and if you can get it, you can use it. And so the government can be like, we aren't censoring. We didn't pull an article. If you know the URL, you can get to his article. Well, this is the other weird loophole. Because the EU only has power in the EU, like you'd expect, I, an American citizen, can easily find these things on American Citizen Google. Here's the thing about the internet. American Google is available to everyone. So is Australian <laughs> Google and Korean Google and Taiwanese Google yeah. and all these other Google sites that are not affected by this ruling. So if you have a strong suspicion like, you know, I, I'm pretty sure there's an article about such and such a celebrity or political figure or whatever, but it's not coming up and I live in France, you can just, yeah. you know, proxy into – and I mean, this doesn't cost money. It's not hard. Like, yeah. Anybody can go to any of Google sites at any time. Just I'm going to confirm that. Actually. So is this just like oh, a... Oh, look, Google.fr. Here's French Google right there. Is this like a politician celebrity thing of like they just want the average Joe who's just going to go to Google and not think about anything else and type a name in? They don't want the top result to be something embarrassing? Here is... I mean, yeah, probably. Is that, was that the like driving cultural force of why this ruling's happening? Well... I, I don't know about all the EU countries, but I know Germany specifically, and I think France and England kind of fall into this, but Germany specifically had, like, they aren't really big on Google. They're very, like, privacy-minded and, and all like that. And I get that, but what they're asking for in this ruling, one, is so easily circumvented, it's laughable. It's like when you see pictures of a gate on a sidewalk, but then the grass has no fence. Yeah. So it's like, well, yeah, you've stopped them if they're a Pokemon character and they can't leave the sidewalk. (laughs) But in real life, we can just step onto the grass and walk around the gate. So, I mean, that right there is like, it's a... Bypass economy. Yeah, I mean, it's a, what do you call it, like a a shallow gesture or a hollow gesture. Because it's like, oh, look, we said you could take the link down. It's like, but it doesn't stop anything. Because here is what I believe is happening right now. Right now, two kids somewhere in in Europe are forming a startup that does nothing except scrape the difference between, like, the American Google search results for something and the EU Google search results for something. Just be like diff search. (laughs) Yeah, and their site is now going to be the number one thing because it'll get indexed by Google so when they search for you search for something instead of getting that direct thing you're going to get their site that links to that thing and like yeah the ruling will still apply to that search engine but it's probably a whole other process as a citizen to request but, your link off of that but if they're smart they won't be a search engine they will just be a giant list of references because that's not a search engine that's different google's the search a engine a searchable list of references by google <laughs> So yeah. it's like that one level of abstraction is probably enough to legally skirt this ruling. I mean, if just going to google.com instead of google.co.uk is enough to skirt this <laughs> yeah. ruling, then it can't be that hard. And even they just more need to so, not host their servers in that country. Yeah, but again, that's not a difficult thing. So it's like that's what I mean. This is all this is all gate on the sidewalk with no fence. Um, the other weird thing is. Uh, you can go and see 
all of the things that have been taken down. <laughs> That's so, another Streisandy part of this. <laughs> yeah, because so a lot of people have been criticizing Google. They're like, wow, they're because remember this also impacts like Yahoo and Bing and Ask and any other search. <laughs> yeah, Ask and web crawler. Jeeves. <laughs> no, Jeeves. Lycos. Jeeves is dead. Bot. It is only Ask. Ooh, Hotbot. Whoa. <laughs> so. Unless we, if we have any listeners that are under 20, they're like, what were all those things those people just said? But, okay, yeah, so you can go and uh, see all these things on Google's, you know, like, we had to take this down. And people have been criticizing them, saying, wow, Google, you're kind of of responding with a lot of gusto. Like, why are you being so aggressive about taking things down when, like, Yahoo and Bing are dragging their feet? And a lot of people suspect that this is Google's way of being like, yeah, look how dumb this is. Look how we're taking it down the day you ask, and it makes no difference. Yeah. So there's Well, they like, also, don't they put make it kind of onerous on purpose? Like, you have to list all the exact URLs in yes. your requests. Like, they're not going to figure out what. No. <laughs> no, because not only were they not legally asked to do so, but that's not safe for them. Yeah. You know, if 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 I went and I said, oh, take down every reference to my name, they'd be like, no, there are other people with your name. Yeah. Like, you can't do that. You have to tell you us specific destroy the, the strength of our results. Our yeah. results. So then the, the final thing I'll say about this that is, is kind of a downer note is they've made in some way public the information about um, the kinds of things that are being taken down. And it's not the politician who did thing A, but thing B was reported and he's trying to like save his career because there's false information. It's pedophiles, it's criminals, it's corrupt politicians, it's, you know, drunk drivers, celebrities. report, embarrassing reports. Yeah, and, and legitimate criminal activity. Like, I, there's a reason, I don't know if this is true in the EU, but in the United States, there's a reason we have a sex offender database. Like, people need to know that. Like, if I'm moving into a neighborhood with small children, I need to know if all of my neighbors are sex offenders. That's relevant, right? So, you know, it's right out of the gate. It it doesn't work, and it's only being used by people who their wrongdoing should be known. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is – this whole thing is ridiculous. I have a feeling about how this will either get overturned or – circumvented to such a level that it becomes like a joke law. Like, yeah, the law is on the books, but it doesn't change reality in any way. Yeah. You know, like in I, in Florida, I don't know if this is still true, but it used to be illegal for a man to wear a formal evening gown on the sidewalk after 6 p.m. Like, if you were a guy, you couldn't be cross-dressing on the street. And I assume that the idea was to prevent, like, some kind of prostitution, but that's such a specific yeah. wording of such a... No whistling in the water. Yeah, like, It's exactly. one of those strange yeah. laws. So I, it's just like, yeah, I guess it's on the books, but has it changed anything about reality in nope. Florida? No, not a thing. So I don't know. I'll be interested to see how this plays out. It just it kind of speaks to a... Is there a bigger conversation of trying to fix the world with policy and rules instead of making culture better yes <laughs> being better people instead of trying to set up the rube goldberg machine of rules that yeah. somehow magically makes things better well especially i feel like rules work for baser instincts like we we as humans we want things so we have to make stealing illegal because otherwise some people would just walk around and take stuff. I mean, there are people who already do that. Yeah. But this way we have a way to punish them, right? But with something like free speech or like freedom of religion, like those are kind of ethereal, like high-minded concepts. So it's really difficult to just make like a a one-page set of circumstances under which free speech is okay and is not okay. Like maybe a certain healthcare ruling in Hobby Lobby. <laughs> maybe like that. Like four by way of example. Yeah. Um, let's not talk about that. No, God, let's not. <laughs> then we would be way too deep into the, the politics muck. So then there's another Google bit of wackiness. Which oh, yeah, was, I remember this one. Yeah, well, here, go ahead. Ex- explain this one to our listeners. So someone 
at Goldman Sachs accidentally sent an email to the wrong address. There are giant ironic air quotes around accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... They sent an email to the wrong person. They probably had to go knowing the kind of business Goldman Sachs is in. And it's, was it a lawyer or it was some kind of like privileged client information that they're saying was in this email? Yes, they were very um, vague. About like oh it's, it's rightly pr- so yeah but they were like it's pr- they but they, I'm sure they made it seem much scarier like yeah like the the codes to the president's football got out now anyone can launch a nuke yeah and so the the story is that they they are asking Google to unsend the email from that person's inbox yes to actually go in and delete it from the recipient. Who's already received it, obviously, because, I mean, it takes seconds. Yeah. How can you unsend an email? Well, and this is the scary thing. And you don't know if he already saw it and forwarded it and saved it and did other stuff with it, so... Uh, they would know if he opened it. Actually, it's, they would know anything he did with it, because it's Gmail, which is a hosted service. If he set up, then they might not know if it's on right. random devices. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so he could have Pop or IMAP. I guess they'd still know IMAP, but if he popped the email off, then even it's if gone. he IMAPed, but it's just synced to a device that's no longer on the network, right? <laughs> yeah, but so they Google actually complied and did what they they've been calling freezing it. So the email is still in this person's inbox, but they can't open it, they can't forward it, they can't delete it, they can't do anything. Um, is that like a let's figure this out motion? Yes. So Google said, okay, we'll, we're going to lock the email so it's in place. We haven't changed the universe, but they just can't access it. Which, as far as I know, they've never done before. Um, but then they said, okay, now you have to go get a court ruling saying we have to delete this. Otherwise, you're on your own. Yeah. So I don't know if there's like some time limit or something. That seems like a very sensible response to not piss off someone needlessly. Right. But to be like, we're not going to mess with someone's inbox without being forced to. <laughs> yes. But I am struggling to understand what is so sensitive that it especially to Goldman Sachs, which is not like a military organization or a political organization. They're a financial organization. So what is so sensitive that someone somehow accidentally sent to a private email address that it's worth Google intervening at all? Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just, it's some client's private information that they don't don't want to get sued for. Tough. (laughs) That. That's still not Google's problem. I know, but you're Goldman Sachs. You don't care what Google's problem is or isn't. You just don't want this stuff to go public and get sued because you leaked something. No, I agree. I, I understand Goldman Sachs <laughs> being upset. I understand someone being fired and maybe like fired out of a rocket into the sun because they have that kind of money. But I do not understand Google being like... A golden like, rocket? No. A golden rocket. A golden sack. <laughs> But I don't understand Google saying, like, yeah, we agree. This is so bad that it is now our responsibility to help. Like, good guy Google. Like, oh, we're going to help save your business interests. Like, why? Because they're now, they're towing a dangerous precedent. Yeah. That, oh, you have an idiot intern who sent an email to the wrong person? We better help you out. Well, I find it's a lot better that they're saying get a court ruling than yes. they just removed it. Then I'd be like, okay, I'm leaving Google. Yes. Cause <laughs> no, they're, this is, they're towing a dangerous line. So it's like they're going to... I, I feel like, like a court's going to rule that... So here's the, the thing is our, our email legislation is messed up because it's stuck it in the 90s and 80s. Because your mailbox online is treated as a temporary location that you retrieve from. Yes. And so... It is a post office box. I could see a court saying, yeah, it's a post office. It's not really that person's stuff yet. Right. You know... Yeah, and that's exactly what people are saying. We're just intercepting it in transit. Yes. That's exactly... That's not how people people use email. Email is in the cloud, but that's my email. Yes. Yeah, because to me, this is like a like when you get a safety deposit box from a bank. Exactly, I was gonna say. Yeah, (laughs) 
So it's like, yes, it's in your bank, but it's in your bank because you're providing a service, and that service is security. Everything inside the box is still only my business. And a safety deposit box is actually legally protected. That's why it's illegal to put cash in a safe deposit box, because it's unknown. Yeah. So it's like you can't put like cash in a safety deposit box. You can't put weapons in a safety deposit box or drugs or anything because... Just embarrassing secret Nazi past. <laughs> exactly. Because it's illegal without like super high court orders to violate the security of a safety deposit box. I mean, I think it's it's akin to breaking into someone's house. Yeah. So we need to probably start treating cloud services that way because I don't have a server under my desk at home that has all my email. I mean, I make backups, yeah. but I still that's not the primary place I access email because I can't. And wouldn't it be, I mean, is there an email service out there that encrypt stuff in such a way that they can have plausible deniability like oh sorry we actually can't well there go was into that for, like lava bits or something uh, was lava is lava bits the one that shut down yeah yeah so there was them because they they actually stood up and said we do full encryption blah 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 and somebody some court came to them and said we need to get you in there and yeah, they give said, us give us your encryption key yeah and they said no and the court was like yes and they were like you know what we're just gonna close well, then he, he printed out the key at like a super huge font on paper oh he gave him a that? stack of paper <laughs> and the Courts don't play. They don't like no. when you do yeah. obviously shenanigans yeah. stuff. They're not into cuteness. And he's like, I did it. And they're like, we're not going to hand type this. <laughs> yeah, this 1,200 digit. He's just buying himself some time to. Oh, that's amazing. We we will f- I, we'll find a link to that, <laughs> that story. That dude's like a, a unsung like hero of like, he is going to get screwed in the courts for like gaining yeah. contempt. But he protected his customers' data anyway. Yes. Well, I think people in security circles, like, he, he's, you know, they're doing beatification for him right now, like, going <laughs> through that process. Make him a saint. That's right. Patron saint of security of email. But so Google has talked about... Well, here, let, let's finish this first. So we agree, I think, and I, I'm, I think we speak for most people. They just haven't thought about it this far. But I think we agree that cloud services in general but email in particular like that it's in the cloud but that needs to be like sacred ground yeah right um so i there have been rumors going around for a little while about google doing end-to-end encryption and some of the rumors say it's only going to be within gmail so if a gmail address emails another gmail address it's encrypted end-to-end the whole way yeah when it gets there where it started the whole thing is encrypted other people have said that no, they're actually going to bake encryption into Gmail totally. So anyone, but you would email. that be meaningless if the if our government legislates, hey, you have to give us access to some people's email? We have to control the keys. That's it. If Google yeah. provides an encryption like a tunnel that allows encryption, but they don't hold the keys, then court orders are meaningless. You have to go to individuals. Yeah. And say, you have to turn over this email. You can't go to Google and say, open the gates. Yeah. What do they... Don't they have a, a word for this, like the, the mud puddle test or something? Like, it's like if you dropped your device in a puddle and it's destroyed and you are... There's some, some more to it. Like, you have amnesia. You completely forgot your account. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, like, could they... Can the company get your stuff back? If they can, your stuff's not secure. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I haven't... I, I I get... I know the term or the, the concept you're talking yeah. about. But, yeah. So, like, LastPass is a good example. LastPass makes it very clear, they're a password manager service, that you are on your own. <laughs> They can't recover your keys. They can't get into your stuff. If you forget your password, if you are the only one who knows the secret to the safe and you die, you get it by a bus, that's it. It's done. It's gone. There's a bunch of hashed data that no one can read. Yeah. We have a bunch of random garbage that means nothing to no one. So and that's but that's good because that's the service they're selling. Because now even if they're strong armed, there's they can't give up your secrets. Exactly. No matter what gag order the FBI puts on them. And yeah, and what do you... Uh, 
there's another term that I can't man we're just batting a thousand today <laughs> there's it, it's like the more people who know a secret you have like an exponentially larger number of failure points because it's like well if I tell just Mike that doesn't mean I now can't tell other people so like I still have infinite failure yeah. points and now you have infinite <laughs> failure points because you can go tell everyone or one other person that one other person can yeah. go tell everyone so it's it's the the security has to be with the person who actually cares about it being secure, not with the company. But I do think a lot of cloud companies are even more than ever like, do we have to store that data? Let's not store it because then we can't be yeah. asked for it. Like, yep. How much can they do that for everything? Yeah, I mean, it's this is it's a win win for governments or for uh, companies and and their customers and a loss for the government and i'm not anti-government but i feel like in this situation that's the right outcome that like, would that'd be a great outcome because i think the other outcome is right now there's there's sort of like facebook and google and any company that has a business that includes collecting data and doing something with it yeah they they have an incentive right now of like we want this to be our data because it's a competitive advantage and we don't want to give it up to the government or anyone else right but I could see that being watered down by the government being like, well, we've got all this taxpayer money we can pay you with. And, like, (laughs) you know, you could sweeten the deal of we're taking your data. And so it's like that's not safe. Right. (laughs) Even though right now our interests are weirdly aligned. We're like Google wants our data, but they don't want anyone else to have it. Yeah. Well, but I feel like that's why 10 years from now we will probably still be using things made by Google and – if Facebook doesn't change 10 years from now, we will not be using Facebook because Facebook's competitive advantage is people use Facebook. Google's competitive advantage is we are Google. Because like, <laughs> if a year from now everyone decides Gmail is crap, which they won't, but if a year from now everybody decided Gmail was crap, they're linked into Google in a ton of other ways. Yeah. They use apps for business at work they use their kids use apps for education at school and they use you know google drive for personal stuff and they use maps and and, android everywhere yeah and they have android on all their devices and and you know there's all these like underlying services that connect things like these messaging protocols and stuff people don't even know exist and and so there's like they've fanned out in a way that if me storing my personal information with google is no longer something i'm okay with that doesn't end my relationship with Google. It makes it harder. It makes it less productive, maybe. But it doesn't bring it to a grinding halt. If I say I don't want Facebook to know anything about me anymore, our business is concluded. <laughs> Their entire business is, what do they know about me? They just have to track you a little more anonymously everywhere you go. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, and and I think, too, Google makes a lot of their stuff, um, like, m- more and more, I think they're kind of branching out into non-ad-based revenue streams. And, I mean, if you look at their income, they still make if, – if ad revenue went away, they would go out of business because they need that money. Yeah. But they're starting to lay the foundation to not rely so heavily on their single in- income stream. You know, it, like, the they sell hardware – so right there, that has nothing to do with ads. Yeah. Um, they're getting. Do they profit on hardware though? <sighs> um, I would. Well, there seems like there's people, a lot of loss leader ish stuff. Yeah. <laughs> most people would say not directly, but on the other hand, they if you buy their hardware, that means you're using their services, and then they sell ads. So. Right. I mean, in a way that the hardware is like right, like in the way Apple it, not, does, not indirectly. <laughs> yeah. Um, on most stuff, probably not. Like on the on anybody who the, the has Chromebook a, Pixel is profitable. <laughs> yes, um, Google Glass profitable. Um, but I, on anybody who puts their services on their devices has to pay a licensing fee. And mm-hmm. I mean, Microsoft lives on licensing fees, so we know that that model can work. Yeah, totally. So there's, I mean, there, I guess I mean, is Google chasing a, a Microsoft model? Probably not. Well, it it looks more like that model than like Apple's model. Yes. Yeah. No. It, if I mean between those two poles, it's more licensing than premium hardware. But 
could they have like a little from both? Can they sell some premium hardware to a small market and and make a profit on it? It doesn't run the company, but they make a profit on it. And then they also license stuff to other people, and it doesn't drive the entire company, but they make a profit on it. And if you diversify enough, then if one of them dries up or a couple of them start to like maybe ramp down, you don't collapse. I mean, this is like I hear people say this about Facebook all the time. Like if enough people stop going to Facebook it would totally collapse because they say they have like 750 million users, yeah. but they really don't. <laughs> they really don't. They are. I mean, everyone's like, you know how fast MySpace died or like these other earlier examples. Mm. I do think it's a little different now because if Facebook dies, yeah, things can change quickly, but it will not be as fast as MySpace faded. Like, Agreed. There was like a year, probably a 12-month span of like, yeah, no, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm done. And my life has not changed. Like, so anyway. like there was that tipping point of like MySpace had tons of bullshit all the time. It was really obnoxious. <laughs> terrible interface, terrible everything was you, so You didn't like the pink glitter effects? The actual software was terrible and it and, and the the affordances <laughs> made people create awful pages, but there was a point of like, yeah, this isn't even cool anymore. So immediately <laughs> I'm fed up with all the crap I've been putting up with right. to use it. But I feel like that is starting to happen more with with Facebook. I mean, there I know it's I, so I still know ingrained people. in yeah. it's how people share photos. <laughs> it is, and I mean, I think they have the power to still save it because they they're very established. The world is different. More people are connected than they ever were during, like, the MySpace and Friendster era. Yeah. Uh, that's. I guess all I'm saying is they, they won't disappear in six months. Yeah. Well, um, I think It'll they, be a longer tale. They have the power to make themselves stay relevant, or they could do something so stupid that there was a mass exodus. Like, Mark Zuckerberg could go on Pharaoh of Egypt, and then all the Hebrews could be like, now we're out. Like a dig moment? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think they'll do that. I, yeah. I think they're smarter than that. I just think Facebook is not so crucial to anyone that if they screwed up hard enough, I mean, like, for seven straight days, all Facebook data was fully public on the indexed <laughs> web. Like, massive, massive, everyone is effective yeah. privacy violations. I think there's a little more abusive relationship going on that people would be like, <laughs> yeah, it is really bad that he beat me, but, but we love each other. We're, we're, we're soulmates. Nah, baby. You know I'd never hurt you. Because <laughs> they've already done awful things. They have. You're right. You are. Yeah. Every, every, like... <laughs> I can't think of a single change related to privacy that isn't like, yeah, this made it a lot easier to accidentally overshare. So, okay, so then let's do a quick hypothetical round. What would Facebook have to do to make you personally leave? Not people in general, but you personally. What would they have to do? Charge money? <laughs> yeah, I would leave if they charged money. <laughs> Okay. That's, that's already become a, an email from your grandma, forward, forward, forward. <laughs> it's just automatic. Forward this or Facebook's going to charge money. Uh, it's true. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Yeah, so, I would leave if they charged money. So, all right. So let's dive into that. So if they charge money for premium services, but you got to keep what you had for free, would you stay? They already do that if you run anything other than your personal account. Because they're, it's like, yeah, no one's going to see your posts unless you pay us. Oh, that's true. Okay, but you're an it's individual, like you not a business. you reached 14 people. Oh. Want to reach 1,000 people? Which, someone did an experiment and showed that that may not actually work. Because buying likes from Facebook is tantamount to buying likes from third-party companies where they just have, like, a click yeah. farm and... The algorithms that Facebook uses to control the newsfeed can't tell the difference, so it breaks. So it's like, oh, so many people liked it, so we're going to show it to the people who liked it. It's like, those people aren't real people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so them seeing it doesn't count. I just hate anything that, like, you, like, 
don't think about the result online of like, yeah, a thousand extra people clicked like and therefore it boosted it in the algorithm. Yeah. Nope. Just think of the real world situation of we are paying people to sit and click likes or we're like write software that fakes it. Yeah. And I'm like, that is such a stupid waste of human yeah. energy. No, yeah, just resources like, being shat on. Like it just it's such an absurd picture in my head of like, yeah, I just sit and pretend to be a person that is liking something in a virtual way and I'm like yeah. Well, and I think most Humans, companies what are you doing? <laughs> go home, humanity. You're drunk. Yeah. I, I think most companies would probably be really upset if they realized that if a thousand people, well, let's say uh, you have a hundred thousand fans of your company, and then you buy ten thousand likes. Well, the algorithm now is like, oh, those are our engaged customers, so we need to show more stuff to them and not to the other people. Well, the other people are the ones who actually have this weird quirk of existing, (laughs) and the 10,000 likes you bought are fake accounts just for the purposes of liking garbage. So now your your content is being programmatically steered away from real humans to garbage. But that's just like the, it's like biological viruses and survival of like, that's human garbage virus of <laughs> attached to, like I just think of like the history of how Google tries to tweak their page ranking to try to feature real content yes. that is made by valuable contributors to the internet yes. and try to get the crap out of there and it's like this cat and mouse game of people scraping real content and posting other places and dressing it up in all these different ways. And it's like, it's just this virus that coexists. (laughs) I just, um, I was reading like some, some developers blog recently and they had, you know, it was a kind of a listicle. And one of their points was, um, something that works in an obvious and predictable way is always a better solution than a clever algorithm. And I, I looked at that and I was like, yeah, that makes sense because other people are going to look at my code and they need to understand what the hell is going on and I need to understand, like, in six months, am I going to remember my clever little trick? And But thinking about it, that's true, like, unless you're Google. <laughs> like, if you have that many smart people working on a problem every day where they're not going to forget about it, they're not going to misunderstand it, like, then you do want clever, smart math doing all, all kinds of amazing things. Right? I mean, don't you want... Well, it's just like spam filters. Too. Yeah. Like, I want Google to have engineers full-time working on the difference between the original content and the crappy screen-scraped repost. Yeah. Like, if they can use math and figure out the difference between those things and never show me the crappy repost again, awesome. Yeah, as long... I think the concern is, if it's secret, then do we know someday Google or another company wouldn't use that algorithm just to boost people. Yeah, so, I mean, SEO hacking... So just a new form of payola, but... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) SEO hacking is, like, a common pastime among marketers and, 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 you know, those viral people and all like that. But that's, I think... That's why the algorithm has who, to be Who secret. watches, who algorithms the algorithm is. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that a show title or is that the most complicated spelling for a show I title ever? It is. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, I guess I'm now a victim of. I, mean, I don't know what's worse. Just the Wild West of like shit everywhere because they had to publish their, their algorithm and now everyone can. Yeah, no. Nope, that's worse. But is it is this is this search results by obscurity? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, this is. And kind does of, that work? Because why is it not the same fallacy as security by obscurity? This is kind of like a Huxleyan future where until Google stops giving me what I ask Google for, then I don't really care how the sausage is <laughs> made. Like, give me my soma. Yeah, pretty much. Like, if I go to Google and I say, oh, there was a Lifehacker article that I read six years ago that I can't remember the title of or any of the content, but it had the word the, and, and that's the first result, then, like, I'm going to... We need to put into that college humor if Google had an office. And oh, yeah, if, yeah if Google was a real person. Because that is what happens, like, 
half like the time when I'm searching for something that's on the tip of my tongue, there's like this drunken slur of text <laughs> that gets vomited into the engine. And more often than not, it figures out what I wanted. And I'm yeah. like, how? Yeah. Like, there was this guy, he was like a detective, and he was in this one movie, and I, I don't know, there was, and then it's like, yeah. yeah. You, you, oh, you mean this? <laughs> it was starring this guy. It's airing tomorrow at the theater. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I don't know what elder god they sacrifice gnomes and elves to, but as long as it keeps working, it's really hard for me to want to know how the sausage is made. And if knowing how the sausage is made will stop it from working, then I, I don't want anyone to know how the sausage is made. Yeah. Like, I just want a magic black box that has quantum stuff in it and just search results <laughs> pop out. Shut up and give me search results. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, it, what would yeah. the benefit be to to letting everyone know? I, I can think of only downsides. The only way I can think is that there there's some just the same reason open source software is a benefit because you have more people fixing flaws. Yes, <laughs> but are there not enough Google engineers with their eyes on this problem? But that's the exact <laughs> argument you would make. Like, are there not enough software engineers at Microsoft to make a, a good, secure product? Why should they be open source? I feel like there's a difference between a security product and just a product. Like, yeah, if more people got their hands on Microsoft Office, could they make Microsoft Office better? Definitely. But if... Maybe, but we, we watched the whole decades of trying to find an open source alternative to Office and... It was never really very good. So now we're about to get into the difference between like a controlled product with an end goal and a direction versus a totally open source project, which is community driven. That's That's another show. Yeah, that is a different thing. But I mean, I I see a lot of parallels of like, can you justify? I mean, they can. They're they're a company. They make a product. They can decide not to open source it. That's their choice. Right. But I mean, not not that right. But the is it fundamentally different than an open source, like, I don't know. I I mean, I feel is like... Is it different the, than security by obscurity? It's not, in a. it feels different. I honestly, yeah, are, are I, I don't have a zero, zero day SEO exploits, basically. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I honestly do not have a counter argument, but it, it feels different. <laughs> it, it, it just it feels really yeah. different. But it, no, I mean your analogy is sound. I, I can think of no no problems. So, That's, but I'm with you. Like right? <laughs> the drug feels great. Don't, yeah, no man, it's d- good. Don't want to know that. Don't want to know that Google searches people. Yeah, I don't. I don't have. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe they don't want to tell us what the algorithm is because really they just have like this farm of humans <laughs> that is looking things up on physical paper and then typing URLs. So okay, so the, those are I, I I think that's a good ending. Please. Yeah. So the the two things that I want to do for follow up this week are, um, do you think there's a difference between um, like Google's secret algorithm and like secret security protocols? Like, well, and I think the people say security by obscurity is dumb because it doesn't work, and so yes. maybe that's why this is different is because yeah, by all appearances it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's and that, that's kind of the high mind. Because no one's like, you just shouldn't have secrets. It's like, no, we just have like yeah, some things. It's just maybe. not secured. Just just claim that right. So that that's the high minded feedback I'm interested in. And the other like kind of low brow, more emotional one is just what would it take to get you to quit Facebook? Because there's got to be something. Yeah. Like for Mike, it's money. <laughs> That's just one obvious one. That's just one of the. If myriad. they were going to slay your firstborn, would you quit Facebook? Maybe. Uh, like, I don't know. Kids been. Would you rather be rich or stupid? <laughs> Can it be both? <laughs> yeah. So I, within reason, I guess, what would it get to take to make you quit Facebook? Is the better question. <laughs> yeah. Not just if they, you know, said they were going to. I hope this sends China. people off on a thought experiment, and then they're like, "Yeah, I'm going to quit now." Yeah. Like, why haven't I quit? That this? would be a totally acceptable outcome to this question. Um, so, Mike, where can people find you on the internet? You find me on Twitter at m edwards music or on the web at pseudomichael.com. 
How about yourself? People can find me at Lions in Beta on Twitter, lionsinbeta.com, or plus David Lions on Google+. And what about these these awesome show notes? So head to flippingtablespodcast.com slash 021 for the show notes. I think – so we were a little late and this week. comment. Come that, on. Yeah, do. Comments and feedbacks are the lifeblood of the internet pretty much, except YouTube. And cats. <laughs> also cats. I think, are we going to be back on schedule next week? I think we are. I think so. Okay. So we were a little late this week. It was worth the wait, but it's nice to stick to a schedule. So I think next week we're back on target for Tuesday. Yep. And maybe we'll talk about um, crazy secret algorithms and and open source versus closed source. Might be a programming episode next week. (laughs) It'll be a surprise. All right. You'll have to tune in to find out. You never know what we're going to talk about. But we will see you next week.